Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Slasher Supreme. Yep, I'm back. I know it was a little bit longer than expected. Um, I actually lost the script to Velocipaster and Killer Sofa, the two movies I was going to review this episode. So, yeah, I know that. Things happen. Anyways, though, if you did see the Facebook post, I will be covering the Ash vs. Evil Dead series. Yes, um, Evil Dead 4 was announced. It's called Evil Dead Now, thanks to Bruce Campbell, I believe, is the one who went and spilled the beans on that. So, I know I was going to do this a while back ago when I was kind of, you know, every 10 episodes doing the Evil Dead movies. It's kind of like a checkpoint, I guess you could say. And it's something I've wanted to do for a long time, especially because I, I missed watching the show and I missed I just missed this franchise. It's one of my favorite horror movies. I love Evil Dead, so it gives me a chance to talk about it. Plus, it gives me you know a chance to continue on with the ten episode kind of thing, sort of. <laughs> Anyways, yes, doing that now. It's gonna be a little bit different because um, I never reviewed it. I never have reviewed a TV show, um, to be honest. And, I'm not a huge uh, fan of TV shows. Um, I prefer movies mainly to shows. The reason why is with the movie, you know, the story's said and done within two hours, where with TV show, you know, there's filler episodes and things like that, and you have to come back every week. I'm not saying I'm against TV shows. Uh, there's uh, quite a few that I'm actually a fan of, but when it comes down to if I'd rather watch a TV show or a movie, more chances I'm going to pick the movie than the TV show. And this is kind of actually a rare occasion. Off the top of my head, honestly, I can think of maybe five or six TV shows I've watched in their entirety. That would be Ash vs. Evil Dead, uh, Futurama, which I've actually watched multiple times, but it's Futurama. It's amazing. Uh, Sons of Anarchy, How I Met Your Mother, and <sighs> Beavis and Butthead. Yes, that's that's my that's my TV show, you know, list right there. That of stuff that I've finished off, basically. And there are other shows that I do watch, such as South Park, but that's still continuing. So you know, I can't really say I've wrapped it up and finished it. Where those, uh, there's no more. So yeah, that's kind of the five that I've finished, which this is one of them. So it's going to be a little bit different this time around. Me talking about it because you know, I can't really dissect. I'm not going to dissect each episode like I do with the movie. I'm kind of, I guess, give a general overview over season one of Ash vs. Evil Dead. Today I'm going to cover season two, the next episode, and then season three without the final episode because I'm going to do a separate video for the final episode. Um, kind of an overview of the Evil Dead franchise in its entirety. Talking, it's pretty much a love for it and then the future of the franchise and where it's heading. So, yeah, here is... The episode for Ash vs. Evil Dead Season 1. Let's get to the review. Versus Evil Dead Season 1 stars Bruce Campbell as Ash Williams, Ray Santiago as Pablo, Dana DiLorenzo 
as Kelly, Lucy Lawless as Ruby, and Jill Mary Jones as Amanda. So the basic plot for Ash vs. Evil Dead is, well, of course, it's in the pilot episode called El Jefe. I'll get to that in a minute. So, really, it's been nearly 30 years since we've last seen Ash. He's pretty much turned into a drifter at this point, going from S-smart to S-smart, because yes, he still works at a department store, even though he's like in his 60s almost, because shop smart, shop S-smart. I love that. Anyways, yeah, he's become a drifter. He pretty much avoids responsibility. He's kind of a narcissistic asshole who's lazy all the time. Um, we do kind of catch him at work at one point in the pilot episode, and he pretty much just fucks off the entire time. And we do talk to Pablo, which is a sidekick, along with Kelly, and they talk about how, you know, he sleeps at work, he doesn't show up, he leaves early, he leaves, you know. It's kind of shit like that, where he's just kind of... He's lost, kind of. He just doesn't know what to do with his life. So, I'm not going to fully break down the first episode of this series, but I'm going to talk in-depth about it. Same with the last three, because those are my, actually my favorite, and I feel there's a lot there. I am going to lightly touch on the rest of the episodes, even my least favorite one. But, anyways, with El Jefe, pretty much the series opens up with Ash getting ready to go to the bar. It, he puts on a man girdle and dances in front of a mirror to... Um, Space Trucking by Deep Purple. It's an awesome song, and it really fits the whole thing. So yeah, he drives up to a bar. We see him in the Oldsmobile, of course. He has a cool, kick-ass drift into the uh, bar parking lot. Runs and, you know, walks inside with all his swagger. He grabs a dart. He's looking at this girl, and he tries to impress her. And he throws it. And you think he's going to hit the board, but he fucking misses it. And it's just a funny scene. But then he sits down at the bar, sees her. And he talks to, uh, and the bartender comes up and is like, hey, we're leaving in 10 minutes. And, you know, bar's closing in 10 minutes, last call. And, of course, Ash is like, yeah, I know. You know, give me the drinks and whatever she's drinking, too. And then he pretty much tries to seduce this woman by throwing up his fake <laughs> fake hand. <laughs> it, it looks hilarious. It's, he has this fake wooden hand, and, she, of course, she turns because she hears a thud. Because it's fucking wood on wood. And uh, he's like, yeah. You know, you're not supposed to put your hand in front of a speeding train, but uh, that eight-year-old boy sure thanked me when I saved his life. You know, he's bullshitting, basically, to get this girl. Of course, they end up having sex because she falls with it, you know, gets drunk and then pretty much believes him that he saved some kid's life because, as he puts it, every 30 years he comes to the same bar that he's never been to, like, once, to get blackout drunk and celebrate him saving a kid's life in front of a train. Of course, we know that didn't happen. He cut his own arm off with a fucking chainsaw. She doesn't know that. Anyways, while having sex with this woman, uh, she happens to turn into a deadite mid through it, and he ends up getting a flashback. He's wondering what the fuck just happened, because that hasn't happened in 30 years, as he explains it. Um, we then come to find out that the reason he's seen a deadite is because while trying to bang a 20-year-old, he kind of got a little high and happened to read from a Necronomicon because he thought it would impress her because she said she liked poetry. Yes. This entire series started because he's fucking stupid. It's Ash. What can you say? Anyways, well, he's kind of having that epiphany of the fact that he pretty much fucked himself in the world because he got high and just wanted to get laid. We then cut to two officers reporting to a manor that happened to have some screaming come from it. They go inside and, you know, investigate the place and happen to see a dead eye, which, um... 
the cop, one of the cops is Amanda, which is the main character. She kind of suffers a traumatic event in this situation as her partner is then turned into a Deadeye in a really cool scene that I do not want to um, tell you guys about. Um, if you haven't seen the show, I definitely recommend it. But for those of you who have seen it, um, you know I'm, what I'm talking about in the kind of dark room with the one light that keeps swirling. That's all I'm going to say about it. It's a really awesome nail-biting scene, and it's something I, it's one of the, my favorite pretty much moments of this entire series. Uh, it's nail-biting, it, it's intense, it is horrifying, so yeah, that is something you definitely need to check out if you haven't, you know, that's something to look forward to if you haven't watched this show. Anyways, from that, um, basically, we cut to, we get a little bit more of the backstory. For those of you who haven't seen it, they kind of go on a recap of the events as Ash is talking to this, you know, telling Pablo about this because they happen to see a Deadeye as well. Of course, Ash goes over about the whole going into the woods 30, you know, some odd years ago, reading from the book, having to kill Linda, having to cut off his own hand, you know, the Deadites and all that. Which says we get to another one of my favorite scenes of this entire series. They, I'm kind of skipping over a lot, sorry. Um, they come back to Ash's trailer at one point to get the hell out of Dodge. Um, Ash realizes he needs to figure out a way to close this, and he thinks he knows the way by getting to a bookstore with a kind of a, a bookstore that he talked to a man about that deals with occult artifacts. And he thinks that can help kind of put a lid on all this dead-eyed shit. We get there. Um, we see this awesome scene where it's Pablo, Kelly, and Ash are in the side of this, his, tra- his trailer, basically, and an arm pull comes through and grabs Kelly and yanks her up against the wall. Pablo is trying to do, trying to save Kelly. He can't, of course. Um, but Ash sees this, and you see this like switch in his brain, and he like flicks on, and he grabs an axe, and he just whirls that son of a bitch and cuts off this deadite's arm. Now, the one thing I want to point out, and I kind of maybe I'm reading too much into it, is cutting back to the beginning of the episode where I talked about how he was throwing a dart and he misses. It's kind of a bullshitting. I feel like in that moment when he goes from being just Ash to Ash Williams, you see the that look on his face, something just swaps and switches, and he gets like his mojo back. He's able, he's able to chuck a fucking axe halfway across a trailer and sever a person's arm off, where earlier he couldn't throw a dart to save his fucking life. And I just love seeing that in this um, moment. And that's not even my favorite fucking thing. That's just, I think, is a cool moment himself where you just see that switch flick back on the armless deadite breaks into the trailer uh, to pretty much kill all of them there's a little switch on the floor ash kicks it shotgun pops up out of the ground he grabs it and army of darkness is it where he puts on his shoulder and shoots it hits him right in the hits the deadite in the face that i falls into a cabinet ash sticks the gun in there and says a kick-ass one-liner another shot blows the demon's head off Fucking great. I had a dumbass smirk on my face the entire time. Even when the first time I watched it, I even get it now just because of how kick-ass it is. The next cool scene is there's another Deadite in there, and we see the chainsaw. We see a, you know, the silhouette of the chainsaw, and there's a demon in front of it. Well, Ash tries to get it. You know, a fight ensues, basically, and he gets knocked out. Well, Pablo is stabbed. Kelly is getting ready to get her eyes plucked out. Ash kind of wakes up, and Pablo kicks the chainsaw to him. Ash jumps through the air and attaches the chainsaw. Rock music kicks on, and he he 
pretty much fights with this dead eye and slices their head off, blood flies everywhere, and it's amazing. And the ending to El Jefe, the pilot episode, is they ask Ash, he's like, so how does it feel to be back? And when you get that, that one word that just, it really brings it home. He's just groovy, and it just fucking ends. And it's, it's the best way to end the first episode is we got Ash Williams back. And I fucking love it. It, it. I have a stupid smile on my face now. Like when I watch the show and it happens. I get a dumbass grin because it's cool seeing that. Now the second episode that I want, lightly want to touch on is Bait. Now I did skip over this but in El Jefe, the pilot, Kelly gets a phone call from her father. Why is this important? Well her father is t- talking to Kelly because their mom showed up at their house. Now, why is this weird? Her mom died six months ago in a car accident. And show. So, Bate deals with Kelly having to deal with Deadites because at the beginning of the episode, she breaks off from Ash and Pablo to go figure out what the hell's going on. Now, the one thing that I love about the series is with Evil Dead 1 and Evil Dead 2 is that they, the demons really like to fuck with you. Um, they swap from being demonic to it's the person. It's just like a normal, you know, it's just a normal person who is still influenced by the demon. So this entire episode, we have Ash, who feels like the mom is a deadite and is just trying to kill Kelly and kill Pablo and kill him. Where Kelly is like, that's my mom. She's not one of them, you know. It's a really interesting dynamic and it really tugs on the heartstrings because we don't want to see her mom die but at the same time we kind of think that Ash is right and that's not her mom it's a demon so it's a really interesting you know scenario and it's one of my favorite episodes episode one and episode two I really love um, from the series let me go into books from beyond basically in this episode we get to the occult artifact building and we learn a little bit more about the Necronomicon a major key point happens where they do summon a demon so we actually do see a demon from the book and not just a dead eye and it is fucking awesome it's uh like this I'm trying to think it's like it looks like an imp from doom if you know what i'm saying it's there's no eyes nothing like that it's gray skinned but the cool thing about it is its mouth stays in one spot but the rest of its body kind of like jerks around in this weird like it's like a 2D, 3D kind of thing going on. It's really awkward and it's just, it's kind of nerve wracking to look at. It kind of hurts, it kind of fucks with your eyes a little bit, but I love it. It's a cool demon design. With that, we go into Brujo, which, yet again, nothing really huge happens. The only thing that kind of neat happens is that Ash kind of rediscovers himself. We get a little bit more into the history of, uh, not history, but more of like the personality of Ash himself and what he views of himself and the world around him. The host, same, nothing too keen happens in that episode. So, meh. One thing I will mention is by this time in the host, I haven't really talked about um, Ruby or Amanda. They are a prominent part of El Jefe, well, pretty much all the episodes, but they're kind of the side characters, and really what's going on with them is they're just on the hunt for Ash. Nothing really happens with them until a the Killer of Killers, which is the next episode I'm going to talk about, but I do want to touch on them a little bit because I did bring them up in the starring roles. They're there. They're just on the hunt for Ash. Why? Well, Amanda blames Ash for 
her partner getting killed. She thinks that he's the one responsible for it. Ruby, on the other hand, has Ash's hand, the one that got cut off. We'll talk about her in a little bit. But anyways, in the kill, the killer of killers, that's a weird title to say, we get an awesome uh, fight scene in the diner. Nothing really story-wise happens. It's just a really kick-ass scene with the diner. Um, we do, like I said, to get a little bit more with Amanda and Ruby as they're actually now hot on the heels. They're pretty much about to take down Ash and his gang. From there, we go into Fire in the Hole, which is my least favorite episode. Why? Nothing really character. Nothing really happens this episode. There's not a cool fight scene like there was in The Killer of Killers, um, which we get a kick-ass dining room. Like fuck, just a fucking bloody scene. It's incredible, and it's it's insane. I just love every minute of it. This episode, the only thing that really happens is that Amanda finally changes sides. She kind of doesn't work with Ruby anymore. She kind of sticks with Ash, Pablo, and Kelly and becomes like the fourth member of the group. Now, I don't like this. For one reason, um, they kind of force her as a love interest with Ash and it kind of mm, doesn't work. I'll get into that with when I go into the next episode. But nothing happens really I mean it's my least favorite episode out of the entire out of season one um like I said nothing just really happened there's a cool scene with her and Ash in like this darkened pit where they don't have any weapons and they're handcuffed together and they gotta fight a deadite but that's it nothing and it's not even that great it's just an okay episode it's my least favorite out of the entire like I said I'm gonna keep saying it it's just my least favorite out of the entire season and the only thing that sticks with me is the ending. Besides Amanda joining it, they learn that they have to go to the original cabin. Yes, they go back to where everything started. Which leads into Ashes from Ashes, but the only thing that I remember is, up at this point in the series, yes, they do make comedic jokes and things like that. It's cool, it's fun, and you know. But there's something about this ending, it's like they're walking away, and Amanda is part of the team, and they're like talking about kicking dead-eyed ass and everything and it's just so awkward with just the three of them i don't know why but it always just kind of rubbed me the wrong way just how they portray it looks lazy i don't know why it is something about that it just seems meh so i don't really care for it plus i just don't like amanda <laughs> and <laughs> i like amanda up to fire in the hole once fire in the hole hits i don't like amanda anymore she's just there especially when they make her the forced love interest now, I'm going to go into Ashes to Ashes, which is amazing. It's one another one of my favorite episodes of the series. And this is, of course, because... Well, actually, the next three episodes. Because they're at the cabin itself. Yes, they're at the original cabin. To bury the book and end all of this. And a lot of callbacks happen to the original movie. Like, their first two movies. It is a fan... <laughs> it's just full of fun Easter eggs for fans. We find out what happened to the hillbilly in Evil Dead 2 that gets drugged down there. Um, we get a really cool scene where Ash has to go back out to the tool shed, the you know where he, he had to put Linda's head in a vice. And there's a really just kind of not a tear-jerking scene, but it's just kind of a hard scene because Ash doesn't want to go back out there. And when he goes back out there, you hear Linda's voice, and he's like, "Oh fuck, we're not doing this." 
And of course, he turns around, and Linda's there, head in the vise, talking massive shit, and asking why the sh- why did Ash leave her there? And it's you can see it fucks with them, and it's really amazing that they have like that kind of they're able to you know pull that off because otherwise it would have probably come off cheesy. But the way they do it, it really comes off uh, kind of a sentimental way. And granted, it's a demon that still fucks with them, but still just like hitting those hard questions, and you can see it just bugs the shit out of him that he couldn't save everybody. It's neat seeing Ash kind of hurt at that point. Mm. The next one. Actually, I'm going to skip over. I think it's... Ban- oh, yeah, Bounded Flesh. Actually, never mind. I'm not going to skip over. I was going to, but now I remember the key scene in that. So, Bounded Flesh, we get a huge plot twist, which also involves Ruby. So, from here on, if you have not watched the show, I'm going to give... It's a spoiler warning. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. If you love Evil Dead or if you just love some comedy with some gore, this is a great series to watch. I absolutely love it. I mean, it's I'm a little bit biased here, but yeah, go go watch it. Go go watch Ash vs. Evil Dead. I think it's I think it's on Amazon and the PlayStation Store and Xbox. Also, it's at Walmart. The Blu-ray and non-Blu-ray edition. I think the non-Blu-ray is twenty bucks and the Blu-ray is twenty-five. You can you can kill about four hours. So that's how much it takes to finish this season season one. But anyways, spoilers in one. Two, three. So in Bound in Flesh, we find out who Ruby actually is. First, she just says that she just wants Ash to talk to him. Well, in reality, she wants the book. Why? Because Ruby is the one who wrote the book. Yes, we actually meet the author of the Necronomicon. She wants the power because, as in Ash's words, she wants to godfather all the demons. She wants to bring it back to where demons ruled, or at least coexisted with humans. That's what she wants to do by bringing her kids into our realm. Unfortunately, Pablo has to be the one that gives birth to the her, birth to Ruby's babies in a really weird, fucked up way. Um, they end up cutting the face off the Necronomicon, and it gets stuck on the Pablo's face. And as she's chanting, this weird bubble comes out of his mouth and pops out her children. It's fucking. It looks horrifying. Um, but it is simply fantastic just the gore effects and everything like that um so that's really the big thing that happens in that granted we also get more you know little tidbits here and there uh, from evil dead 2 with you know evil dead and evil dead 2 which i love as well and then the dark one with uh, yet again deals with ruby as she's trying to get her kids out and into the world to pretty much infect it and bring it back to the dark ages um in this scene we do get a kick-ass execution with a shotgun uh, one of Ruby's kids tries to attack Ash, um, and he like open. He's crawling up Ash's leg, and Ash sticks a shotgun in his mouth. So it's it's down his throat, like into the fucking kid's stomach. Like it's I mean not it's not a kid. It's a demon kid. So don't get all pissy, you people. But anyways, yeah, he sticks it down, and then he says this one. He's like, your mama never taught you to clean your mouth or something. And he kicks the shotgun with the kid. So he like pretty much kicks the shit out of the kid lifts a shotgun up in the air with the kid still dangling off it, and he gives a smile, which, he, like, has his eyes a certain way. If they had, like, a little wink effect, it would have perfectly went with it. And he just pulls the trigger and fucking blows the kid away. 
and it's just it's amazing it's probably one of the best like shotgun kills i've seen in, even like in movies nothing tops that just how smooth and like quick that motion is and that fucking smile of his with the one-liner it's just perfect it is 10 out of 10 I'm, that's how much i love it even i'm my girlfriend was like what the fuck are you smiling about i'm like that was that was just cool like there's nothing i can't say anything else about it it's just a cool fucking shot um but from there we end up getting a deal between bruce or not bruce ash and ruby um pablo is going to die after giving you know after he gives birth to all these children of rubies he'll really pretty much tear himself apart well the book will make him do it um but Ruby is afraid of Ash because he is in the book. But his story isn't fully written, and she doesn't know what's going to happen. So, in her mind, it's better to have Ash alive as a contingency plan in case something were to go wrong. But also, he, you know, he can stop anything bad from happening. So if she doesn't, you know, it's like she pretty much she is a contingency plan. If anything bad were to happen, Ash can step in and stop it. So... They kind of cut a deal because Ash is kicking the shit out of Ruby in this in this episode, and she's like, "If you want to save your friend, you have to let me live, and we'll make a deal." And this deal is that the demons will roam the earth, Ruby will godfather them, as Ash puts it, and Ash and his friends get to do whatever they want, and Ruby has to leave them alone, and it can't hurt anybody. You know, it can only hurt people that it needs to. So, of course, we get a funny scene where she's like, what's your name, your price, what, what do you want, what do you want me to give you? And he's like, I want to go to Jacksonville, Florida, because that's the last place in his mind where everything was right. He was going to take Linda to Jacksonville after their stay at the cabin. Of course, we all know what happens, <laughs> but it's just kind of a sentimental thing for him. He's going to go there, and he says this, it's so fucking stupid. He looks at her and goes, I also want $10,000 in cash. And she looks at him and she goes, I'm not a fucking bank. I can't do that. And it doesn't even, like, click with him. He's just like, oh, what about gas money? And the look on her face is like, yeah, because I can do that as well. So it's just funny because it just shows how stupid he is in some situations where he doesn't fucking think about what he says. And I just love it. So it's just a little chuckle moment for me just how dumb Ash is in that scenario. <laughs> And even, too, it cuts to Pablo and Kelly, and they both have, like, that what-the-fuck-are-you-looking-like face. It's just funny. But, yes, the season one ends with Ash, Pablo, and Kelly heading to Jacksonville, Florida, as an emergency broadcast comes on that enormous sinkholes are opening up all over Michigan, because this is where the show takes place. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, we did have a deal. Certain people will die, certain people won't, and they just write off. Which then we'll pick up into season two, which I can't wait to talk about that because um, I mean I do love season two, but I like season one a lot more than season two. But I'll get into that later. But I'm still excited to talk about it because the more people dead. But anyways, yes. So season one as a whole, I absolutely love. Every episode is really well executed, and you know the music which has different, there's Deep Purple in one episode, you got ACDC, I think, fucking White Snake. Pretty much you have like a ton of bands, and it's just, it's amazing the way they integrate them into the show, the songs anyways. The gore is 
but it's still it's like extreme evil dead extreme like there's a shotgun blast and this is blood spewing everywhere there's a part where a door opens up and just gushes blood out like an evil dead 2 um some of the decapitations are really awesome as well um so yes the effects and the gore are top notch there are some cg shots and they look like garbage but you can't really complain because it's like high quality garbage because it's like tv it's 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 television cgi so it's like the best they could do and for that i give it credit does it look good or appealing fuck no but i'll give them that it's interesting nonetheless um another thing i have to like you know i like is the character progression um both the first episode like i said this is a small thing with ash where we see him at the beginning of the episode kind of out of whack towards the end where on the first episode he's back in himself to then with brujo he, he kind of refines himself and kind of gets more of his mojo back it's really it's awesome seeing that same with um pablo and kelly um we see them you know kind of go from not sure what you know kind of confused and scared about what's going on to pretty much dead eye kicking you know pretty much dead eye ass kickers towards the end of the series Ruby herself appears in El Jefe, the first episode as well, and again, you don't know much about her. You still, don't, you really don't find anything about her, and she just kind of stays mysterious up until Bound in Flesh. Now, Amanda, which I completely forgot to talk about, why I hate her character arc. Um, the first episode, she's kind of cool, you know, with the whole like mentally broken person because she had to see her partner turn into a deadite. Um, so the reason why I hate her character in Fire in the Hole is, like I said, they make her a pointless love interest. And in Ashes to Ashes, they immediately kill her off. Because, so there's this thing happens where Ash's hand gets away and grows a new Ash. That Ash ends up killing Amanda. After pointlessly having her fall in love with the real Ash... So her and real Ash fall in love. She only gets then she gets then taken out by fake Ash. Not even five minutes later. So it's like, why the fuck have her as this you know love interest for Ash? And they seem to both be into each other, only for you know her to die. It's pointless, and it's and it only the the romance only happened in Fire in the Hole towards the end of the episode. I personally would have loved to see it more of she's on Ruby's side up until the Dark One, which is the last, of course, the last episode. And then she might swap sides when she realizes what Ruby's plan actually is. I liked her better when she was hunting Ash. When it got to the point where she was on his side, that's when I kind of lost the character. Like, I lost real interest in the character. It was neat seeing her no matter what stay with Ruby's side up until that, you know, if she would have done that, and they would have wrote her like that, have her hate Ash, regardless if, if she knows he's helping or saving people, it's still his fault that things happen, and up until the point where she finds out that Ruby's going to unleash absolute hell on the planet, that's when she swaps over to Ash's side. I would have loved to see that a lot more than just to see her be like, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, to maybe I'll have sex with you, to then, yeah, let's run away together, to then fucking dead, and then pointless for the rest of the se- for the rest of the series. We only see her, she's only in season one. So, that's the one thing I hate about Amanda's character. She has a strong 
build up, and then the execute, then she's just fucking cut off, and I hate that. So that's the, my huge complaint with her character, and that's why I hate Fire in the Hole. It's just a shitty episode to me. Like I said, it's not totally bad. It's an, it has an interesting chase scene with her and Bruce or her and Ash. We're gonna keep and the names mixed, but that's it. I mean, that's all it is with Fire in the Hole. It's just kind of a pit stop before we get to the main attraction, which is them going back to the cabin. Which, everything with the cabin is top-notch. That's probably another one of my favorite parts of the series. For season one, my favorite episodes are El Jefe, Bait, Bound in Flesh, The Dark One, and Ashes to Ashes. Why is Ashes to Ashes my least favorite? Yes, we do kind of get some Evil Dead-ish stuff, and that cool, and the part with Linda in the uh, workshop is awesome, but Bound in Flesh and the Dark One is when they really let the fucking comedy and gore fly out the window, and just have fucking fun with it, where Ashes to Ashes is still kind of, they're at the cabin, but it's kind of building tension, and just kind of, it just keeps going up and up, so it's the build-up that I love about that one, but... And again, Bound in Flesh and the Dark One just let it go out the fucking window, and it beats out Ashes to Ashes, of course. So, season one. What would I rate it? Out of one out of ten, I would definitely say a nine. It's a solid nine. If they fixed Amanda's character, it'd be a ten. They, you know, in Fire in the Hole, if they fixed that episode and made it actually, you know, interesting instead of just kind of boring for me, because not a lot happens. I think I would have liked that episode a lot more and would have kept Amanda's character from not sucking ass and I would have been more invested with it. Mm. The fun fact trivia here, which I know I normally do that at the end, but I wanted to go ahead and get out of the way since I'm not going to do a fun fact. Um, Lucy Lawless, for those of you who don't know, is Xena Warrior Princess. Yes, from the 90s. Now, why should you care? Well... For those of you who happen to know anything about Bruce Campbell, <laughs> he was on that show as Orturo, the King of Thieves. I never watched Xena, but I have read his books, and that's how I know it. So it's interesting seeing Xena on the show, where originally it was Lucy as the main main protagonist and the main character, and Bruce Campbell is kind of the side character. Where now it's kind of flop, where Bruce is the main and Lucy is kind of the side character. It's just fun seeing that dynamic, and I just, I don't know, I just found it interesting. So that's really my fun fact that I wanted to give about season one, which of course it carries on to season two and three, because she is a mainstay with the, uh, with the series. But, with all that being said, let's head out to the outro and end this episode. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Slash Supreme. Please like, share, favorite, subscribe, thumbs up, or whatever you have to do to let me know you're out there listening. If there's a certain video game or movie you would like me to review, please leave me a voice message here on Anchor, <laughs> blanked out for some reason, on Facebook or on Instagram. If you're not following me on Facebook or Instagram, just look up Slash Supreme Podcast to find me and, you know, send me anything you want. Anyways, again, like I said, no fun fact because it's a show. And it's modern, so <clears throat> I really need to do a movie with it's from like the 80s, so I can do a fun fact. Anyways, yes, 
Next episode that I'll be doing will be covering Season 2 of Ash vs. Evil Dead. I'm excited to talk about it. And again, as I gushed about in the beginning of this episode, I love this franchise, so it gives me a reason to talk about it. Anyways, I hope you guys stay safe, and I will see you on the next episode of Slasher Supreme. Later.